Howdy there, everybody. Welcome back. Happy Skews Day to you. It's December 5th, 2023. I'm Trey. That's Mark. How you doing, Mark? Uh, good, bud. So I, <laughs> this isn't really a sports thing. It's also a politics thing, but college football playoff was announced. Yeah. And <laughs> the, oh, entire, the entire state of Florida is so fucking pissed. I'm pissed uh, with them. Go ahead. Politicians of the state are threatening legal action against the NCAA for like passing a bill to punish the NCAA or something for oh, it's called not, not the NCAA whatever whoever runs the college football championship uh, the CFB or whatever it is yeah like it's like people are so fucking mad about not being cast in the TV show that is the college football playoffs. So, <laughs> okay, all right. So I could first of all. I could probably spend a whole hour long show just right. talking about this. Cause obviously I'm a big, uh, you know, Alabama hater admittedly. So I do have some bias, but for anybody that's not really kept up or whatever, if you haven't heard the Florida state Seminoles went undefeated this year and won their conference, which is the ACC, which is ostensibly a power five conference, an undefeated power five champions never before been left out of the college football playoff, but they were this time in favor of Alabama, who did win the SEC, but they have one loss. They have a loss Florida State doesn't. Most people expected that Alabama wouldn't make it. I expected they wouldn't make it. Then they did, and a lot of people are upset, myself included. I think it's horseshit. I think that Alabama or not be in it this year because the, the fourth team that got in was Texas, who beat Alabama straight up head-to-head in Alabama. That's their one loss. So I just don't know how there could be any argument, but they made the argument and said, fuck it, we're putting Alabama in anyway, and people are upset. It is funny, I admit, it is funny that the state of Florida is like trying to pass laws that (laughs) would somehow garner some revenge for this, because I don't understand how that's supposed to work. But they did get hosed, as far as I'm concerned, and I don't blame them for being pissed off. But like for to be hosed, you have to pretend it's a meritocracy in any way, shape, or form. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, yeah, well, it's, it's, like, yeah and it's clearly not. It's a it's a TV show, and they wanted to cast the teams of the bigger fan base, and that's the end of it. You know, yes, it's like that's true. You, are you telling me this is all about the money? Right. I mean, yeah, <laughs> no, I know, I know, but that's like, but they, but see, obviously, we all know that that's true. But like the people that run it and the people in charge of it, or whatever, like, would of course, none of them would ever admit to that being the case. You know what I mean? They would not, they'd be like, no, we went through, uh, you know, our process that we followed and determined these were the four most deserving teams under the circumstances. Like they would never acknowledge that it is what you just said. It's like, you know, Alabama's like the fucking New York Yankees of college football or whatever. You know, they're the evil empire, huge fan base, hated by many, many more on top of that. It's going to make more money having them in than a Florida state team with a, with an injured quarterback and whatnot. But, you know, it's just I don't I don't care for it, Mark. I don't yep, care for I'll, it, and I hope Alabama gets wrecked. I'm sure they won't, yeah. but I hope they and do. <laughs> Florida State got a bowl game against LSU, right? So if Florida State wins their bowl game against LSU, they'll have more rights to shit talking. But if they lose, I would at least wait till you win your bowl game to talk more shit, right? Is it is it LSU or is it Georgia? I, I, I thought it was one of them, but you got to either way. You got to yeah. Anyway, let's it's talk the Orange uh, Bowl. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, some people have talked about them. They said that they should. Sorry, I told you I could talk about this. Uh, some people said that they should uh, boycott that bowl game and then just like hang a banner. Yeah, no, it is Georgia. And Georgia, who many people thought oh, was yeah. the best team in the country, but they lost Alabama in the SEC championship game. If they win that game, which they probably won't, even if they do play it, but if they manage to beat Georgia, Georgia oftentimes don't show up if it ain't like in the playoff or whatever. They've done that before. If mm-hmm. they beat Georgia, 
I think they should just claim a national championship and be unapologetic about it too. Just hang a banner and tell everybody else to kiss yeah. your ass. That's what I would do if I was them. Anyway, we can talk about what the show is about now if you want to. I appreciate you sliding it in there though, using the legislation angle to make it relevant. Uh, so thank you for that. But yeah, we can yeah. move on. Let's, let's forget college football. Let's talk about the more insane world of American politics. So we talked last week about the school voucher scam going on in, in Tennessee. Uh, fun development. A lot of Republicans don't seem to be in favor of this. For example, you quote here from a, a guy named Sam Whitson in the legislature. It, it concerns me. It could spiral out of control. Current voucher participants have performed worse. Everyone should be subject to the same standards. There you go. People talking senses. But other Republicans are mad because they realize the voucher money could go to Muslim schools. <laughs> yeah. And I'd be like, sure, use racism for good for once. I don't right. know what to tell you. <laughs> yes, it's, you know, better than just using it for what they normally use it for. I just, I figured, I'd, I maybe this is not at all the case, but I figured like state level Republicans in Tennessee, I know a lot of them, they're definitely from, they represent like super rural districts and areas and shit. So I feel like if they were being, uh, you know, honest in their assessment of it, that you would think a lot of them wouldn't be on board with it. But usually these people, they just, you know, tell the party line regardless, a lot of them. So I'm glad some of them are speaking out, <laughs> even if it is for racist reasons in some cases. Uh, so uh, sp- while we're on the subject of uh, weird racism, so Marjorie Taylor Greene was doing a Q&A on uh, one of her social media platforms, a video, and was asked about, like, uh, you know, public, like, uh, welfare programs. And someone was asked a fairly compre- question uh, with a with a pretty woke premise about how people unfairly associate like needing welfare with like people of color and all that. And Marjorie Taylor Greene responded by saying, of course, I know plenty of white people who were just as lazy as white people. Yeah. Didn't she say like, are worse than black? Didn't she say like, I know plenty of white people out there are like lazy and don't work. They're worse than black people even. I mean, that's what she said, right? Something like that pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God help us. I've heard, uh, I, I don't know about you, but I heard growing up versions of that kind of argument mm-hmm. plenty of times from racists trying to like defend their racism by saying that they weren't racist because they also thought that. Hey, you they know, also hate poor wh- white people. They also, exactly. And they the way <laughs> I've heard people put it before was like, hey, as far as I'm concerned, there's white N words too, except, you know, they mm-hmm. wouldn't say the N word or whatever. And that's it. They try to say, it ain't about race. It's just about <laughs> class. I hate, poor, of course, yeah. these would usually be working class rednecks in clay county saying this anyway but you know you gotta you gotta have somebody to look down on always as many as possible preferably if you're these people. Uh, <laughs> elsewhere in crazy congress people uh, senator Joni ernst apparently almost choked to death at a republican caucus, caucus meeting last week and Rand paul had given the highly maneuver and here's how she reported the news as uh, burgess Everett said well Rand paul used the highly maneuver on Joni ernst in a senate lunch today she was choking on some food for her 10 days she's okay and she quote tweeted it with can't help but choke on the woke policies dems are forcing down our throats <laughs> it's like you're defibrillated from a, like your heart stopped you're defibrillated yeah. you're like fucking woke nonsense like yeah <laughs> one pitch. yeah it's pretty fun i mean i gotta admit that does crack me up but uh, and just because of how on the nose it is for them but it would also it would be funny if if like if she had choked to death and then her colleagues made this remark about her, whatever right. you know what I mean. Oh, they Sadly, yeah. Senator Ernst choked to death on the woke agenda being shoved down all of our throats by the Democrats. Yeah. She won't be the last casualty. They'd, I mean, because Rand Paul is technically a doctor, ophthalmologist, or whatever. But like, he could like he could pronounce her dead and put it on her call, like her death certificate. Her cause of death is Joe Biden's woke nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, God. Uh, over in Texas, my old home state, um, there's some, been some weird shit going on where, like, some Republicans have been got caught meeting with, like, Nick Fuentes, who's the groper. I'm not Nazi. Nick Fuentes is a Nazi. Yeah. Uh, he calls his group the Groypers. They're, you know, huge anti every kind of immigration, basically, and will openly say Nazis are cool. Uh, Nick Fuentes, if you've forgotten, is the guy that says it's gay to have a girlfriend because it's mm-hmm. like oh you get a girlfriend you're cuddling that's gay <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, right. uh so they had a, a bunch of republicans are mad about this you know the ones who consider themselves sane they tried to introduce a, rela- uh, a resolution uh banning associations with nazi, nazi sympathizers and holocaust deniers and it was voted down <laughs> well, well who would we have to you know to meet with like who would we have to associate with yeah. anymore? it's like if you start banning it, associations with nazi sympathizers and holocaust deniers we're just gonna have to associate with each other and all and nothing yeah. else <laughs> the, the complaint was that the resolution was too vague and quote could create future problems for the party its leaders and candidates uh, obviously and they called it a slippery slope this is a resolution was part of a pro-israel resolution they were trying to pass they can't even denounce nazis associate with nazis and their pro-israel resolution that everything's so fucking stupid right now um uh, and this texas senator bob hall uh he, he was asked outside of this uh, this meeting he was asked about uh uh you know whether or not they should be meeting with nazis and stuff he says i've had meetings with transgenders gays and lesbians does that make me a transgender gay or lesbian (laughs) (laughs) as if being nazis an immutable characteristic of your identity like you're you know they can't help being born nazis is essentially what he's fucking saying like uh, it's also kind of like implicitly drawing a parallel between you know lgbt people and nazis you know what i mean it's Mm -hmm. like saying they're kind of the same thing it's like well if you're gonna meet with one you should meet with the other as though it's like right. just two different sides of the same coin or something yeah i mean with both sides nazis yeah, and right. transgenders <laughs> yeah, right. exactly fucking idiot yeah. yeah everything's so goddamn dumb <laughs> yeah well let's get into it with us as always is producer matt back there doing his thing this is weekly skews before we continue i want to remind you of a few things but of course number one if you'd like to see me perform stand-up comedy live in the flesh and you should go to TreyCrowder.com, get your tickets to my upcoming shows this coming weekend i'll be in lowell arkansas at the grove always have fun in northwest arkansas the next week me Corey, and drew are together in nashville tennessee at zanies our annual homecoming for the holiday shows always a good time then i got a bunch of 2024 dates coming and adding more every day so come see me also at TreyCrowder.com, you can find the link to me and Corey's travel log around here and over yonder it's quite the comedic romp around this country and across the pond. You can also check out the audiobook on Audible, which we do read. If you enjoy this program and would like to show your support, what you can do is you can sign up on Patreon. You go to weeklyskews.com slash more or go on Patreon and look us look me up. Either way works. $5 a month gets you access to full-length bonus episodes. We do two a month. We're doing another one. Later this very week, we do skew and A's. We cover topics that happen in between. just things we want to talk about. It's a lot of fun, so you should check it out and support the show in the process. Now, as for the show tonight, Henry Kissinger has, of course, died after far, far too long walking this earth. He managed to finally succumb to the sweet release of death at the age of 100 last week. We're going to be talking about his legacy, not exactly a shining eulogy in store for Henry Kissinger from Mark, uh, but we're all looking forward to it a little bit later. But first, we begin with the Daily Dumbass. Matt, graphic, please. 
Tonight's DD, anyone who thought you couldn't pay George Santos a small sum to have him hype up a fellow congressional felon. This is a video that John Fetterman uh, commissioned. <laughs> right. On Cameo. Hey, Bobby. Uh, look, I don't think I need to tell you, but these people that want to make you get in trouble and want to kick you out and make you run away, you make them put up or shut up. You stand your ground, sir, and don't get bogged down by all the haters out there. Stay strong. Merry Christmas. All them haters. Yeah, so should have gave you a little more context. That was uh, aimed at uh, Senator Bob Menendez, who, of course, is embroiled in his own legal scandals, and John Fetterman right. calling it a double standard, not erroneously, and in, uh, in, in an effort to highlight it for people, he commissioned this cameo from George Santos. Very hilariously, I might add. Uh, yeah. Quite the so, move. The first, so Bob Menendez, if you don't remember, is the uh, New Jersey senator who got caught being bribed with, allegedly bribed with gold bars from Egypt to funnel weapons to them as part of the uh, Armed Services Committee, which he chairs. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. I guess some, some pretty funny news about that. So, so the first thing George Santos did when he left Congress was raise his cameo rates from 150 bucks to 250 bucks. And this is the most honest living George Santos has ever made, as far as I can right. tell. Uh, and like, so another one he commissioned, uh, he, his one, he uh, somebody dedicated one of their fantasy football league. Uh, George Santos said, hey, fantasy football league, uh, dorks, ha, ha, ha. Looks like one of your friends isn't really your friend, and you should really consider a new friend because he thinks none of you get laid because you're a bunch of dorks and never get anything right on your fantasy football league. And like... <laughs> Man's got to pay his legal bills. I get that. Yeah. But like, this is like so fucking ridiculous. He, Santos finally got kicked out of Congress on Thursday. We'll talk more about that in a second. But I want to touch on Menendez because some news today. Uh, the gold bars that they found in his house that he denies were from this businessman named uh, Daibis, uh, uh, an Egyptian, uh, Egyptian-American businessman who's connected to Egyptian intelligence. Uh, they were previously stolen from Davis and he reported them stolen. The cops got them back. So the cops have their serial number and they know that Davis had these gold bars. <laughs> so he got bribed by money that was already documented by the cops. This is so fucking stupid. Oh God, I can't believe So, that. okay. So the guy who bribed him paid him in gold bars that had been uh, cataloged by the FBI right. because he had reported them stolen and they, Got him back uh, for him. <laughs> I got stolen from him back in like 2013 in an armed robbery. Cops got him back. They were cataloged as evidence. And then this guy bribed him with the same evidence. <laughs> would, you uh, go with, would you go with uh, gold bars if you were being bribed, Mark, or you go cold hard cash or the or the also popular small satchel of diamonds? Um <laughs> Well, the reason people use diamonds is because they're untraceable, but also we live in a universe with cryptocurrency. And yeah. basically the only use case for cryptocurrency is moving large sums of money that cannot be traced. Just, yeah. yeah, the solution's right there in front of you. And I can sort of understand, like Santos is incredibly frustrated. He got kicked out of Congress and so many other assholes like this aren't. And I sort of empathize with him. Like he, Santos yeah. is the first guy to get kicked out since James Traficant. Congressman from Ohio who was basically in bed with the mafia and he got tried and convicted multiple times of being so. so he, and then he died mysteriously under a tractor. Uh, so, but before that, <laughs> that's Ohio mafia for you. You know what yeah. I mean? It, like instead <laughs> of like you know getting uh, sunk to the bottom of the river, like sleeping with the fishes with concrete shoes on, he just winds up 
underneath a tractor, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking hilarious. So, uh, yeah. So before, since before Santos, the, the few members of Congress who've been expelled were for like rebelling during the civil war or mm-hmm. for being convicted of crimes. Now Santos has not been convicted yet, although we all know he's fucking guilty. Um, but allegedly guilty. I don't want to get sued. So, um, other people have not gotten kicked out. Like in just in recent years, a member of Congress body slammed a reporter. Another slept with subordinates. Another had an affair with a woman that tabloids called an ISIS bride. <laughs> another was convicted of insider trading. Another was convicted of stealing from charities. Another was uh, convicted of stealing campaign funds. Uh, Santos was the only one expelled. But to be to be fair to those other people, they did resign and disgrace a lot of them. Right. Except for the ISIS bride guy, he's a representative from a Republican from Texas who was beaten in an election because it was so embarrassing. But the, the the woman who was in ISIS, her name was Tanya Joya, and she's told the Daily Mail that Taylor was turned on by her past as a jihadist. Like he was really in <laughs> to banging yeah. her specifically because it wasn't like I'm overlooking her ISIS history. He loved her. No, he was into that. ISIS. Yeah, that's why. Like, yeah. yeah, he's like sticking it to ISIS in his mind. Yeah. I guess he's probably a big Mia Khalifa fan. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to you want to tell him my Mia Khalifa take that you find astounding? I mean, I didn't know if you want me to tell him. Yeah, I'll tell him. We brought Mia Khalifa. What's up, Yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> he said that we were talking about Mia Khalifa once. Who you know, porn star, Muslim porn star, got death threats and stuff for being a Muslim porn star, and then then she went on to be like a commentator and stuff. She was hugely, I guess, still is pretty hugely famous. And she had said something that made news, and we were group texting about her. And Mark said that if if nine eleven never happened, she'd just be the hot chick at Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> <laughs> Her whole thing was doing was scenes in a in a hijab, and I was just like, yeah. that niche probably became way more prevalent after like people America's getting way more interested in Middle East and Muslim stuff. Anyway, if you if you don't believe me, this sort of like I'm gonna quote here from the ISIS bride lady Tanya. Uh, for me, it was making love, but for him, it was just sex. Whatever's in town, four or five times a night, he was all over me, specifically because she was an ISIS. I just think that's a point so, in my in my favor. This is only tangentially related to this but it's just mm-hmm. always been such a wild thing to me I, I got a buddy from back in tennessee who also does stand up i guess i'll leave his name out here but Corey and drew and everybody knows him we've known him for years he had a girlfriend years ago i mean we're talking 10 years ago or something at this point but he had a girlfriend who uh left him right and you know like sometimes like people like especially in the south so by like a, a guy will get left by a girl. And then next thing you know, she's like living with a woman. She's a lesbian now or whatever. So people will be like, God damn, how bad were you as a dude? You turned her gay or whatnot. That old chestnut. Well, this mm-hmm. girl left him and then joined ISIS. After that. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like a white girl from uh, Tennessee, dude. It was in, it was like national news at the time when it happened because she went and joined <laughs> ISIS and I don't think it ended up uh, working out too great for her over there, shockingly. So, but uh, so the joke yeah. there is he's so bad at fucking, he, he made her go death to America. Yeah, right. Exactly. Turned her into a jihadist. Uh, but uh, Santos, do you think like you think all this was like going to happen anyway? I mean, with him getting expelled, or do you think it was like? Do you think any of it had to do with him starting to like talk shit openly about everybody else we, we talked about last week? Because. One of the Republicans said they voted against him specifically because Santos per- stole his credit card information and ran up $400 in charges. Like, he just personally <laughs> fucked with them and embarrassed them in a way that they found untenable. Like, you, you rob from the rubes, not from us, right? right. 
And so on the floor of the house last week, and I Santos has already said he's going to go on and do a bunch of interviews, and I bet he's got a, he's already booked on the Mass Singer. I bet. But uh, so <laughs> a, a Republican congressman named Max Miller from I think Ohio said, "You sir are a crook." And Santos said responded by saying, "My colleague wants to come up here and call me a crook. The same colleague who's accused of being a woman beater. We all have a past." It's like, well, first of all, you're still a crook, Santos. Right. Actively, <laughs> and, openly, and, and all the time. And this guy, Max Miller, is still a shithead. If you want to know the details of it, he was accused of uh, being abusive by well, – he worked. He used to work in the Trump White House. And he dated Stephanie Grisham, who was one of the Trump's uh, press people. And she accused him of cheating on her and being physically abusive and being a liar. He filed a defamation suit against her that he later dropped. Um, also, Miller was caught lying on his LinkedIn, just like Santos did, lying on his resume, and then said a staffer did it. So, like, all these people are the same dude. Right. Like, it's like, it's, it's fucking insane. Like, they're all liars and scumbags, and somehow Santos, and I really, I the story doesn't make any sense. They only have a three-vote majority. <laughs> They probably won't be able to get enough impeachment votes to impeach Biden. I think they can't. It doesn't really matter if they pass a bill anyway, because the Senate's not going to pass it. I'm like, they gave up 25 percent of their majority, the, the margin of majority, to fuck with this guy who's going to air all the whatever dirt he has, and it's just to be out there as a reminder about how flagrantly corrupt they all are every time he gets interviewed. So I have no idea what the hell it's like. I we've not heard. I thought maybe we'd heard the last of George Santos, and uh, I look forward to his interview interview with Z-Way. So it's happening. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously George Santos sucks and is awful and everything, but like it, you know, he ain't entirely wrong about the whole, you know, highlighting these double standards and all this stuff about all right. his, about his colleagues and whatnot and how it is. I think with him, it's just like it was so egregious, so public, so continuous, and also like his whole thing the way he is acts sounds all of that and then and then him starting to go in on them too i think it was just a combination of all that where they were like we got to get rid of this fucking guy but yeah he's just embarrassing but what right. wife That's and i were watching I mean. some the day where he, he came up and she's like i actually prefer him to the other kind of corruption i'm like yeah me too but also like as a person who would like a, you know a government-run healthcare program that everyone has ac- access to, that level of reducing faith in the government of making it be publicly charlatans is bad for the stuff I want to ha- have happen. But also intellectually, yes, he's less harmful than a lot of them. <laughs> he's less right. harmful than Bob Menendez, for example. So yeah, yeah. All right, we got an honorable mention for you for Daily Dumbass, and it is the haters who don't know you're winning when you hold up visual aids about poo-poo. This is from the big (laughs) gubernatorial debate between Newsom and DeSantis that happened for some reason. Here it goes. For some reason. We've also invested in unprecedented resources in reforming our behavioral health system. Ron has literally the worst mental health system in America, forgive me, outside of, of Mississippi and Texas. And so with all due respect to being lectured on some of these topics, Ron DeSantis is not the one right. I'm going to be listening 30 to. 30-second response. You're, uh, so, well, I'm looking at total time. Governor DeSantis yeah, look, about this, two minutes. This, 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 he is, needs it. this is a map of San Francisco. There's a lot of plots on that. You may be asking, what is that plotting? Well, this is an app where they plot the human feces that are found on the streets of San Francisco. And you see how the streets. We've also... So, Again, I don't, and I said this on stage in San Francisco this week, but it was like, you know, like 
I don't know that I'd brought that up if I'm the governor of Florida. You know what I mean? The only place where uh-huh. I assume people do more public pooping uh, than San Francisco is <laughs> in Florida. It's like, you know, like the old saying goes, shouldn't throw rocks if you live in a crack house. Um, but, uh-huh. but yeah. Do you watch any more? This whole thing was a farce. Like it was like, I, like you asked what happened for some reason. This happened just because these two wanted to be on television. Yeah, that right. Um, and Newsom, who I don't like very much, absolutely mopped the floor with him. So we'll just like say that I enjoyed that aspect of it. Uh, Newsom had uh, a line that was like, but there's one thing in closing that we have in common. It said neither of us would be the nominee for our party in 2024. Yeah. So I was yeah, like, that was pretty gangster. And they also have this weird, I hate the way like our fucking like state versus state stuff filters into national politics because it's such horse shit. Um, and they argued over who's fleeing whose state. And I don't doubt that a bunch of people moved to Florida recently because real estate prices and people did want like a lot of people did want more less COVID restrictions during COVID and taxes are lower. There's a lot of reasons to do that. None of that is really directly about politics. So I guess it is a little bit. But I've lived in four states in America and neither at no point did I make a choice of where to move based on politics. But Gavin Newsom did uh, talk about some data that showed more Floridians have moved to California than the other way around, which is a weird own. It's just like. I people are moving. People are moving. I know people have moved out of California because of real estate prices. It's fucking hell expensive that. Yeah, Um, that's what I was going to say. It's like they're definitely I mean, I've run into people all the time, especially my accent, Uber drivers or whatever. Where are you from? I say Tennessee. I've met so many people be like, oh, you know, I'm actually thinking about moving to Tennessee or I'd like to move to Tennessee or whatever. And usually some conservative shit is coming down the pike right after that. But it, it, I think it's mostly because of just how goddamn expensive it is to live here. Now, those people, like, they think, a lot of them, that that's because it's a liberal state or something. But, of course, it's like, it's because it people hits live to here. live here and people <laughs> want to live here. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's fucking, you know, paradise in a lot of ways with the weather and all this shit. It's like it's more desirable. It's arguably the most desirable area in the country, which is always going to be among the most expensive. But having said that, I mean, you know, I mean, I do get it. I for sure get it. It is expensive yeah. as hell. So. And, and, sh- and shitty housing growth policies that haven't allowed, like, building to keep up. That with too, they're not building here. up, right. Yeah. yeah. But none of that has to do with, like, liberal or conservative. It has to do with, yeah. like, nimbyism and yimbyism. wokeism, like, right. Yeah, right. a different type of thing. And, all, and all, in Florida, as I understand it, like, you can't, it's getting harder to get like ins- house insurance and stuff down mm-hmm. there because of the threats of climate change and what all that type of thing. So it's like, and it ain't, cheap in a lot of places parts of florida to live either so you know and the only thing like i'm not i don't like i'm defending desantis because like like yes the housing the insurance market's collapsing because of climate change that's not the direct responsibility of ron desantis it sucks that ron desantis is living in denial about it and pushing policies that will make it worse but climate change has been sort of you know been building for a hundred years since we started industrialization 150 years or whatever and like the only public policy aspect of this where this connects is like Florida is going to have to transition to a public insurance market where taxes cover property insurance. Otherwise, the whole state's going to collapse. And so uh, I guess push for more socialism, uh, presidents of Florida, because that's the only way this is going to fix itself. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well. Let's get into it. Everybody knows already Henry Kissinger died. But before we talk about Kissinger, um, there's another prominent death in the in-between. Yeah. So Sandra Day O'Connor died, and I wanted to talk about her for a second because, like, she was the first woman on the Supreme Court. And so she was obviously very smart and very tough. She was also very conservative, kind of racist. <laughs> but, like, the, the all you hear is the girl bossing stuff. 
right? Yeah. It's like, I, and I, I like, I get like a lot of positive attributes are kind of morally neutral. And I hate the way all the, the everything is flattened to the morally neutral qualities when someone dies. Um, she was like more moderate than like Alito and Thomas. And yet, like, like, like she helped keep Roe legal for about 30 years, but she also installed, she wrote the opinion that installed Al Gore as president so she could resign and, and uh, Bush could replace her with Samuel Alito, who wrote the Dobbs opinion that ended Roe, right? So like, which thing do you want to give her credit for? Right. You know well, and a lot um, of people think that like, so she was basically, she was the main, the primary one who made the decision about for Bush in favor or in favor of Bush yeah. in the 2000 election. A lot of people, you know, argue that that was like the real turning point uh, for our country in a lot of ways. It's, you know, led us to where we are now. So, you know. Yeah. Uh, she, uh, I'm trying here. I'm trying to like, I can't really get this to read right. But anyway, I, I have some excerpts pulled up that I can't read right now. But like, so so people, there's reporting from the day, like she was at a party on election night where she was very, very upset that when it was called for Gore um, uh, because she wanted to retire and then Bush v. Gore happened. It was caught up and she was quoted again by someone else reporting like drudge and Fox news level conspiracy theories talking to her friends about how the Gore campaign had went into nursing homes and had people that were essentially vegetables fill out ballots. None of that, all that's fake, but she believed it. So when they did this horseshit fucking opinion, to install Bush as president. Now, Bush might have won an honest recount anyway. We'll never know because there's never been, like, there have been various studies and whatever, and they all come down very, very close. But, like, the logic of the opinion was fucking awful. And they they knew it, which is why they put in the opinion, this opinion is to never account for anything else ever again. Please don't use this going forward. And immediately, within two decades, uh, fucking uh, Brent, Supreme Court Justice Brent, the, the sex offender guy. Like Kavanaugh. Brett Kavanaugh is quoting it in a minority opinions, like it's the, like it has the force of law. And I just wanted the reason, the main reason I want to talk about her before we get to Kissinger and we'll transition with this. Jay Willis, who writes for uh, Balls and Strikes, a legal blog I read sometimes, uh, brought this back up that he wrote when George H.W. Bush died. Political hagiography is not about displaying good, manner, good manners. It is the critical final component of a system that quietly whitewashes the misdeeds of the powerful. What those who insist on the rules enforcement uh, are saying is the more unseemly portions of the deceased record don't affect them. As they have spent their lives downplaying or ignoring the real-world impact of that record on others, they urge the centers to perform respect for now one more time and to save their complaints for a later date. But is an illusory promise because it is made to silence minority voices, those for whom the occasion of a person's death might be their last real opportunity to be heard. History is written by the victors and shaped by the obituaries. All right, let's talk about Hank Kissinger. Um, so the fucking, the weird tone deafness of a lot of the coverage, um, talking about <laughs> victories written by the, uh, uh, you know, the winners and so are the obituaries. Uh, the main guy who wrote Kissinger, so they, they, like public, pu- public sentiment has turned against these warmongers, like to a specific degree that t- times has just not kept up with. Neither is a lot of the mainstream press. And so a lot of people pointed out the main guy who wrote Kissinger's Times obituary because they write him ahead of time has been dead for a decade. <laughs> That's wild. I knew they write him ahead of time. They don't update or I mean, I guess, I mean, hell, a decade ago he was 90. So that might have been mm-hmm. an updated one. But like you, you mean the, one they, the one they published was mm-hmm. written over a decade ago by a guy who, who'd been dead. They just had it sitting yeah. on a shelf that whole time. 
Yeah, you uh, just you just you just report out the details of a person's life, and then they update it with whatever happened in the last few years and the cause of death, and you plug in, you know, the the rewrite the lead or whatever to put the time, the date, the way it happened in, get some quotes from contemporaneous people. But you can do a lot of the work ahead of time. Um, but the Washington Post's <laughs> obituary. Let me read here from this and see if it connects to any at all with this man's life. And we'll get to his many many misdeeds in a second. Uh, this is this is from his obituary that ran this in the past few days. Henry Kissinger was about to get lucky with Zsa Zsa Gabor, and it was due in part to Richard M. Nixon setting them up. But as Kissinger was about to lead in for a kiss, his beeper went off. It was the president. The same man who had set them up was now blocking his national security advisor from getting to first base. Henry, come back immediately. I need you. Gabor later recalled, Gabor later recalled the president saying to Kissinger, Nixon killed the vibes. Nixon I am so sad. The vibes. <laughs> On the occasion of Henry Kissinger's death, what I'm really sad about, not the millions of people he got killed, but right. the fact he didn't get a hand job from Zsa Zsa Gabor. That he got cock-blocked by Richard Nixon in trying to uh, bed Zsa Zsa Gabor. I mean, yeah. what is the, what's the, I, look, obviously most of it is bad. Well, I guess that's the answer. I was going to say, obviously most of it is bad, but the dude undeniably was hugely influential in so many ways and had a hell of a resume of, of evil over decades and decades, how did the, you know, the, the blown hand job make the cut? But I guess that's part of the rationale is because they don't want to talk about a lot of that. Because of that he's cool. Stuff. Right. He went to all the coolest parties and got laid by the coolest yeah. chicks who thought it was, who somehow were attracted to power. And like, like, so like Nixon, uh, Kissinger famously joked that power is a great aphrodisiac. And he got his power by sucking up to Richard Nixon and Gerald Ford. And then later on, the Clintons and Obama and like, yada. But like Christy Noem, I kind of, she, the governor of South Dakota, I kind of felt bad for because she just kind of happened to be on TV the night he died. So they asked the governor of South Dakota, who does anything to do with foreign policy and might have never have thought about Henry Kissinger, her thoughts on it. And I want to, she's sort of filibustering here like a, like a, like a pageant queen would, but I want to listen to the, uh, talk about this quote for a second. Making a lot of history doing so, your, your reaction to his death. It's a sad day for us because he was a leader that no, it's not. challenging times. And I hope that everyone's reaction to his passing is to go learn a little bit more about him that you didn't know before. Okay. Uh, around your dinner table or when you're driving in the car with your kids, tell them a few Kissinger co- quotes that, that were used at that's, strategic times. That's actually really good advice in my opinion uh for for young people that's like that's uh, if it wasn't coming from her and and if i didn't know the intent was the direct opposite of how Uh i intended that's actually it's actually a good response i think is i would advise young people especially to go learn about this man and look up some of his quotes and then frame your opinion because yeah you're gonna be horrified but that's not what she means She, she thinks you're gonna be inspired or whatever but I got some uh, I got some quotes right here. As a matter of fact, I went and looked up. This is about uh, Chile, Chile electing a, a, a social a democratic socialist. I don't see why we need to stand by and watch a country go communist due to the irresponsibility of its people. The issues are much too important for the Chilean voters to be left to decide for themselves. Okay, mm-hmm. that's one way to put your uh, to frame your effort to overthrow a democratically elected government. Uh, here's another one: the illegal we do immediately; the unconstitutional takes a little longer. Okay. Uh, here's another one. Kissinger famously said the Marshall Islands where the U.S. conducted nuclear testing. There are only 90,000 people out there. Who gives a damn? 90,000 people. And those are like island people, too. You know what I mean? So, like, mm-hmm. how many does that even amount to, really, in regular oh. American people terms? You know, you got to do that math. This is I'm, Oh, brown, brown people did not hit for him and Nixon. We'll talk, we'll talk about that a little not. more 
Yeah, we get to uh, Bangladesh. But so, uh, so I want to say Joe Biden's statement about Henry Kissinger was as close to like nothing as you could say. It was like, yep, he was Secretary of State. I met him. I disagree with him, but a lot of people liked him. Peace out, Henry. It was like it's basically the closest you come as an active politician with saying he's basically if you want to translate, it's like he offered his opinions even though nobody asked for that shit. That's basically. What <laughs> I think he did. I guess I don't know if it's because he's just so old this time around, but like Kissinger, uh, wasn't he still like active behind the scenes for like ever basically after, after he was no longer secretary of state after Nixon 40 still was active, hugely active in American politics, right? In in an advisory capacity with pretty much every regime we've ever had, basically. Pretty much every president up until Biden would call him regularly for advice. Right, um, right, and he was like a like a like a consultant for the Clinton campaign in sixteen, um, but like uh, so as much as Joe Biden evidently like one of the reasons he pulled out of Afghanistan is his lifelong distrust from being in Washington for fifty years of guys like Henry Kissinger, who always think that America's defeats to be blamed on the indigenous people whose armies we're supporting, or like that, or that like just one more war, one more bomb will do it. Just six months, six more months of bombing will always be there, and I hope that. Joe Biden has taken a moment of reflection as he thinks, as he thought about Henry Kissinger to think about what's happening with American foreign policy right now, that maybe it's a smarter policy besides just bombing people back to the fucking stone age. Um, like right now in like, like we talked about Fetterman earlier. I don't know what's going on with him in Israel, but there's this weird like tension where like secretary of defense, Lloyd Benson gave a, a, a speech, a press conference this week where he said, basically said that Israel, Israel's headed towards a huge strategic defeat that will set them back like decades and I was like, there's like kind of this weird divide right now where like a professional yeah. national security apparatus is like at war with politicians who are like bent by ideology. And what Benson's trying to say to them is like, like, this isn't going to work. <laughs> like, it's not about like, like it's, they, they want, they're afraid it's going to make America look bad and set back American power because it makes us look like huge hypocrites, which it does. Um, like right now, Israel is using artificial intelligence to pick targets and its parameters are coded to not really care that much about like about civilian casualties. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing about AI that, that scares me is people will be able to blame the immorality of stuff because a robot told them to do it. Anybody's right. arguing with the customer service hotline about an AI, the algorithm setting the price or something knows what I'm talking about. Um, and like anyway, so back to Kissinger and his owning all his immorality, unless he wanted to outsource it to Nixon. Um, Ari Fleischer said, "I think the word impossible was never in Kissinger's vocabulary." <laughs> Which yeah, there were no constraints. Uh, Fox News also celebrated him by doing impressions of Henry Kissinger's German accent, which is just fucking weird. If you have this clip, Matt. <clears throat> think they're that great but i one time did my imitation of him to him i talk about bottom policy you know i i said that to him and he laughed he had a great sense of humor on top of everything else he did and uh if you could do henry kissinger if you could do you know, I, I can't do, do an open mic night about a war criminal dying. Right. It's a funny talk about like Henry Kissinger. He's like, tell you what, he loved to laugh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Particularly as the innocents burned. <laughs> yeah. He loved to laugh at the screams of children while he pursued yeah. hand jobs from Shah Jha Gabor. <laughs> right. uh, the, the, so let's talk about what he actually fucking did because nobody wants to do that. Um, one of his biographers, a guy by the name of Greg Grandin, uh, credits him with like, on his own head, about two to three million deaths 
Um, these include crimes of commission, he says, in Cambodia and Chile, and a mission like Greenlanding, Greenlanding Indonesia's bloodshed used to more Pakistan's bloodshed in Bangladesh, and the inauguration of an American tradition of using then abandoning the Kurds. So he invented a lot of stuff that we kept doing. Um, he also got off scot-free from Watergate, even though his fucking obsession with crushing Daniel Ellsberg for releasing the Pentagon Papers is what really drove everybody's behavior there. Um, the... Like it also like a demonstration of like how how he was able to kill so many people and get away with it. Uh, all these obituary fawning obituaries were extremely shameful because Kissinger had reporters wiretapped and wiretapped newsrooms. Like all that shit is patently illegal in outside of any dictatorship. But it, I didn't I didn't keep up with it. I mean, I like meaning. I read tons of responses from regular people on the, I saw, you know, tons of people tweeting and the Reddit threads and all this stuff, which were just, of course, universally negative or celebratory, uh, you know, rather about him dying. And I was about to say, I was about to bring up this headline that Matt currently has up here right now from Rolling Stone, Henry Kissinger, war criminal, beloved by America's ruling class, finally dies. Saw that one too. But like, was the bulk of media coverage, like it was, it wasn't, it didn't have that tone or tenor to it. Like most of them went with a, like, you know, dedicated statesman, hugely influential mm-hmm. passes at a hundred and that type controversial, of thing. controversial yeah. to his critics who thought he was maybe too careless. Like shit right. like that. And yeah. may, I'm already dreading Trump's obituaries. It'll, it'll, it'll describe oh, him as God, controversial dude. and flamboyant. Yeah. Um, so like his entree into politics, if you guys aren't aware, like he was a Harvard professor who was uh, a consultant for uh, Nelson Rockefeller, who was, in the, who was campaigning in the Republican primary against Nixon. So Nixon won the primary, obviously. But during the general, uh, because he was connected to Harvard, uh, this was during the Paris peace talks in 68 to end the Vietnam War. He back-channeled, uh, operated back-channels between Nixon and the peace talks to sabotage them, basically telling the South Vietnamese he would get them a better deal if they didn't agree to anything that was happening in Paris. The Vietnam War ended up not ending until, what, 73, 75? So every person who died in Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos, be they American or anybody from those countries, their blood is directly on the hands of Henry Kissinger. Um, right. It could have been ended earlier. Right. But he didn't for political benefit for Nixon. Right. Essentially, Nixon was right? running. Nixon. Nixon was running on a secret plan to end the Vietnam War. But he right. also wanted to use the political like he wanted to like triangulate against the anti-war left for being un-American. So if the war ended, he would have none of that to run on. Right. Right. Um, so I tried to like fig- do the math. uh <laughs> About uh, of how long, how many people, Amer- just Americans, died because Henry Kissinger did this in '68. So, of the 51,000 Americans who died, about 20 some thousand came after 1968. So, the families of at least 20,000 Americans should be lining up to piss on Henry Kissinger's fucking grave. Who had the, they died in a feudal war after it was already over, so Richard Nixon could be president and Henry Kissinger could be Secretary of State and National Security Advisor. Right. Right. Um, Cambodia, like what they were doing in Cambodia, like it was like the, the North Vietnamese were moving weapons through trails in Cambodia. So they basically decided to illegally bomb a bunch of civilians there to try to destroy like the supply networks. Uh, killed about 100,000 people out of, se- out of the population of 70 million, 7 million, sorry. Right. And it I had nothing people- to do with it. Like, you know, people that were citizens of a completely different country <laughs> just happened, like collateral damage because the, you know, our enemy was coming through like- there. 
and no one cared about these people or where they live, so we just bombed the shit out of it. It'd be like say there's like a like a like a missile components factory in Charlotte, North Carolina, and Russia blew it up along with the bunch the whole town, a bunch of civilians to keep us from shipping weapons to Ukraine. That's somewhere in the neighborhood of what, of what happened there. Except right. that's a weapons factory. This is just people who live in a village that North Vietnamese soldiers are pulling wagons through. Um, and I want to quote here. I know a lot of people are probably familiar with this Anthony Bourdain quote. One thing I loved about Anthony Bourdain, may he actually rest in peace, um, his shows, is he traveled among regular people. And one reason travel makes people more open-minded and liberal is because you don't see a people according to stereotypes or their politics or their governments. You see them according to like the food needs, and then it makes you realize that everyone around the world just wants to hang out with their family and eat food. Yeah. Um, so Anthony Bourdain said, once you've been to Cambodia, you'll never stop wanting to beat Henry Kissinger to death with your bare hands. You will never again be able to open a newspaper and read about that treacherous, prevaricating, murderous scumbag sitting down for a nice chat with Charlie Rose or getting some black tie affair for a new glossy magazine without fucking choking. Um, and like, that's sort of how I think any sane person should feel about Henry Kissinger. Um, like they're one of their uh, bombing campaigns in Cambodia again killed a hundred thousand people. They called it Operation Breakfast because with the idea while they're eating breakfast. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. I thought it was because it was the most important bombing of the day for them or something, but that's not true because it's uh you know because it was like an afterthought probably for them is the is the worst part yeah. about it. In Cambodia and Laos, the United States dropped out, uh, dropped more bombs than it dropped on Germany and Japan during World War II. Again, we That's were not crazy. at war with yeah. Cambodia and Laos, and Laos, and those were illegal fucking bombings. I, I, it's like, and all this was conducted on behalf, like they, Nixon, like if you guys remember with the Madman Theory, Nixon was openly trying to look like a psycho. He was doing all this shit to try to scare the Soviet Union and North and North Vietnamese into like coming, uh, being better negotiators or being more afraid of the Amer- America by acting like he would launch. He was acting like a crazy person, but uh, it, in the course of doing these bombings. But you are what you fucking act like, right? If yeah, it's like, I'm sure the people in Cambodia or whatever, you can't be like, hey, listen, that was just a bit I was doing, by the way. <laughs> wasn't even about you guys. It was really, I was just trying to, you know, freak out Russia or whatever. So thanks for playing along. And there, yeah, you know, there's 100,000 people dead. Yeah, they're just like, all these people that died are just bit players in Nixon's melodrama. Um, and it, but it's not just in hindsight this was shitty. Like when, it, when, the, when the bombing of Cambodia went public in, this, in, in the early 70s, it was hugely controversial and people fucking hated it. It was, it was in the original like uh, 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 impeachment articles for Watergate, but it got voted down because they didn't want to set the president to bind the president's tides, hands in times of war. But 40 years later... U.S. presidents routinely bomb countries that America is not at war with, and like without providing the barest minimum of disclosure, like you can't even get a list of all the weapons that are going to Israel because the, uh, the Biden administration is kind of hiding them. Uh, and like so, a couple years ago, four American special forces operators died in like West Africa. I think it was in like Niger or Lagos. And Lindsey Graham, who at that time was the chairman of the foreign, Senate Foreign Armed, Armed Services Committee, didn't even know we were operating there. It's not just America's fighting wars in places the citizens don't know. The chair, the Senate Armed Forces Committee didn't know. <laughs> and like, I hate this shit so much, man. Uh, it, it, but like, the way this is treated and the response to Kissinger, like, if you kill five people, you're a psycho. Yep. If you kill three million people, you're a statesman. Uh-huh. Yep. Very serious people are pro-war. If you're against war, you're not serious, right? Yeah. You're not tough. 
Um, and that's like the more depraved Kissinger's actions are revealed to be, the more the establishment sees him as a serious statesman who understands Hart's truths. Right. Yeah, it's like it's like like he spoke truth to power. That power was this villagers in Laos. Yeah, he made yeah. like the difficult choices that other people didn't want to make and that type of thing is how they frame it. Right. You know. And and not for nothing, his evil genius shit, air quote genius, didn't work. The North Vietnamese fucking won. Right. Pinochet got kicked out of fucking Chile. Like <laughs> Uh, yeah, and didn't the shit that, that all the stuff in Cambodia at some at like sort of laid the groundwork for the uh, Khmer Rouge? However you say it, Khmer Rouge. I'm yeah. sure I'm saying that wrong, but when Pol Pot killed we, all the intellectuals, like me and you would have both been uh, executed because we wear glasses. Yeah, and not not for being. I don't mean I'm not calling myself an intellectual. I just mean literally they kill people that needed glasses because glasses are yeah and they did elevate the Khmer Rouge the most extreme hardcore communist faction precisely because like it's a a communist idea to heighten the contradictions right Right. to like draw people apart but like they went the Kissinger uh, Nixon Kissinger wanted to heighten the contradictions to make communism look more evil but not letting the socialists win to let out out murderous psychopath communists take power Right. right. So all those people are kind of, they, I don't know if they go in as official tally because he didn't directly have a hand in killing them, but like they right. did want the Khmer Rouge to be in charge of Cambodia. Uh, but this like disease for respect for murderous psychopaths is like bipartisan. Like it, reviewing Hillary Clinton wrote a review for one of Henry Kissinger's books. She called him a friend whose counsel she relied upon as Secretary of State and possessed, quote, a conviction that we, comma, and President Obama share a belief in the indispensability of continued American leadership in service of a just and liberal order. I just want to emphasize when they say liberal order in this context, they mean economically liberal order. Yeah. They do not mean politically liberal order. Um, so uh, Kissinger also loved Hillary Clinton. He thought she was the one, the best secretary of state of his lifetime who wasn't him. Um, and I was thinking about like when Trump, the Trump administration assassinated uh, Qasem Soleimani, the Iranian general, um, Iranians like mourned him in the streets and American, American leadership asked, acted like uh, taken aback, grossed out by it. And for sure, he was a murderous psycho as well. But if you, even if you put every death in the Syrian civil war on his head, he could not kill nearly as many people as Henry Kissinger. And nor did Soleimani get to date uh, Jill St. John, who played a Bond girl in Diamonds Are Forever. <laughs> um, so like, it's, I, I fucking... I, I think when I see all these warmongering people on each side, like different sides of political like conflicts and wars, I want to be like, can you guys just get in a room and fight? Can Henry Kissinger and the Khmer Rouge just knife fight this motherfucking shit out and leave the rest of us out of it? You know? Right. Well, no, because they're, you know, they're important people, Mark. Mm-hmm. The people that do the fighting are not important. <laughs> they're expendable, yeah. you know. We already covered that Marshall Islands, which needed to test some of our countless number of bombs over there. And who gives mm-hmm. a shit that people actually live there? It's immaterial. It's all in service yeah. of the grand American experiment. I wanted to mention Pakistan and Bangladesh for a second. So, and the, the guys of other Cold War uh, global chess game bullshit, um, Kissinger and Nixon like helped uh, Pakistan do a genocide against the Bengali people in what's now modern day Bangladesh. And they did this because they. We're trying to like, you know, get reproachment with China. And they thought India and China's border was falling into the Soviet orbit and yada, yada, yada. Plus they were just, but all this real politics shit, the reason we bring it up is just justification for racism a lot of times. Like, let me read Nixon recorded talking to Henry Kissinger about what he thought of the Indian people. I don't know why the hell anybody would reproduce in that damn country, but they do. 
Undoubtedly, the most unattractive women in the world are the Indian women. Undoubtedly, the most sexist, sexless nothing, these people. I mean, they, uh, people say, what about the black Africans? Where well, you can see something, the vitality there. I mean, they have an animal-like charm, but God, those Indians. <laughs> ah, pathetic. Good Lord, bro. That's, that's Nixon talking to Kissinger or the other way around? Yeah, that's Nixon. Nixon, Nixon okay. That's Nixon talking to Kissinger, but Kissinger go, yes, good idea. So Nixon yeah. would talk to Kissinger about how Jews are evil. Remember, Henry Kissinger is yeah. Jewish. And right. You're talking about the Jews from Harvard who opposes foreign policy. Nixon, Henry Kissinger <laughs> is a Jew from Harvard. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, the other Jews from Harvard. Yeah. They're the problem. One of the good ones. Uh, they backed, talking about how his shit didn't work. So they backed a coup in Chile because of American copper mining interests there. Uh, and with Pinochet. They, tried, they, did, they did some like indirect coups that didn't work. And then they try to finally just told Pinochet to take the military and go kill the president. It's around the presidential palace. Uh, Salvador Allende killed himself live on the radio while telling the people that the CIA was actually behind this shit. Don't believe anything else. This is called Operation uh, <laughs> uh, Operation Condor or something else. But like right now, currently, Chile has a socialist president and Allende's granddaughter is the minister of defense. So fuck you, Henry Kissinger. Get fucking wrecked. None of your shit worked. Ah, but like his real like legacy is the rule-based international order, going back to Hillary Clinton talk the liberal order, is about capitalism, not democracy, right? That's what it's about. So like when you think about American meddling in the Middle East, when you complain about gas prices going up, part of the reason we do all that meddling is because of American oil companies and also because Americans will not accept higher fucking gas prices. <laughs> right. So like I, I just want everyone to understand the cost of our nice, comfy treats and lifestyles. <laughs> because mm-hmm. it's like uh i just like all this shit i find so maddening like like you can't rant about inflation it's like it's just like it's all so messy and stupid and henry kissinger sucks and i hope we get a next generation of leaders and it wasn't just biden's response to kissinger's death that i found encouraging that maybe we're going to turn a new page and see people as human beings that also have a right to democracy not just we have a right to democracy and they have to serve us but that we can move forward as a globe <laughs> towards a freer and more prosperous humanity is that possible i don't know i mean you know sure would be nice but it's like it's not like i feel like things are trending upward as of late i mean that's been it's been the hardest part of the past few years for me in terms of all this shit is that like i used to generally like genuinely believe that the trajectory was you know on the same or that you know it was unaltered like over the over macro enough time frame we went in the same general direction you know, mm-hmm. gradually upward and onward type of thing. And then, but uh, lightly, you know, I, don't I do know. think it feels like we've backslid. Right. But like progress goes like this. Yeah. I mean, that's true. It it's sucks not, to live through a dip. This, go, yeah. Right. I know. But this <laughs> dip, I, like maybe it's just I didn't live through the other ones. I don't know. But yeah. You World know, War but, One, World War Two were pretty big dips. So was the Great Depression. Yeah. And so it was like think about the level of political unrest and assassinations in the sixties. Sixties, the civil rights movement, and all that. I mean, yeah, I mean that's true. It is, and I'm glad you're saying that because that's that's the type of shit I used to say to people is like try to keep that in mind, keep some perspective. Uh, but well, the thing is, when yeah. you're in a dip, you don't know whether it's the last one. Yeah. Right. <laughs> this is just yeah. This is it. <laughs> uh, I saw. Yeah. Uh, uh, Matt, bring up some questions and comments and stuff for us if you want to. I mean, that's what Liz Cheney, the new, uh, you know, liberal hero. I know that not everybody's saying that, but, you know, she's getting she's been jerked off a little bit ever since she went full anti-Trump and whatnot. And um, she's still her low, fa- still her father's daughter. Yes, the bar is low. But anyway, she got a book out. She's doing a lot of um, 
interviews and stuff. And she was saying that if if Trump wins this election, she was like, I think that'll be the last election that we have in this country if he wins it. And then she said that we're uh, sleepwalking into a dictatorship, which interestingly to me, I'm a huge fan of the national, the band, the national. That's basically a lyric from one of their uh, one of my favorite songs of theirs, Fake Empire, which says which goes, we're half awake in a fake empire. That song is from like 15 years ago. Hit real hard. Check it out. I, anyway. I will say that like, it's way too late, but like the New York Times did a big sleepwalking in a dictatorship thing that even Maggie Haberman's byline was on this week about like they, and the, the topper was about and 43 year old Donald Trump in an interview in Playboy magazine was talking about how big of a fan he was of what the chi- what China's government did at Tiananmen Square because they showed yeah. strength. Right. Yeah. All right. Now they all hate China. I'm like, if you like the strong arm government, I guess what you don't like is their ethnicity and that they have medicine. Mm-hmm. Right. What is your beef with China <laughs> if it's not the fucking oppressive that, communism? That's a really, really good point. You're right. China's supposed to suck, but like, if it's not that part, what's the what's the problem? Uh, Red Wave of Ketchup says, "Smash that like button, kids." That's right. Thank you, Red Wave. Appreciate it. Like, subscribe, tell your friends, all that. Katie did not says Kissinger was a big dip. Yeah. But the ladies loved him. You got to put that in the old bit. Coco yeah. Stewart says, I grew up in Kissinger's era. I hope he burns for eternity. Well, Dude, the I don't draft know that ended anyone right burns, before my dad's, unfortunately. Yeah. But if they do, surely he's among them. The, the draft ended literally right before my dad's number was called. I don't know about, right. what do you mean by right before? Because my dad always said that too. Like, When did your dad graduate? Uh, it would have been like 70, 70, 71. Oh, okay. Um, my dad, but my dad graduated, yeah. My dad graduated in 74. He didn't say right before, but he just said that like he grew up going to school like being terrified of being drafted into the war, but he graduated like shortly after it, you know, ended or whatever. Uh so you know, good for me and you. If they'd have got if they'd have got exploded, no excuse for you guys. All right. Mm. Yeah. Oh uh, man, but not but never having to exist would have hit though, I gotta be honest. Yeah. <laughs> February, February says we are slowly being boiled alive and it's just disappointing to watch it happening. I saw I saw someone say that the that the frog is completely boiled at this point, which I'm assuming that's perhaps what you're referencing to. But that I don't know if is that true. Is that true? Or is that just thing people say? They say if you throw a frog in a pot of boiling water, it'll jump right out. But if you set the frog in the water and slowly bring it to a boil, just sit there while it cooks to death. And a lot of people are using that as an analogy for politics. I don't think it's based in truth, but the metaphor, you know, definitely works. Yeah. Right. For sure. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Uh, let's I see. Can't, I can't tell. Uh, not, okay. Henry Lindemann says 1973 was the first year they didn't spend the lottery rule. Yeah. My dad graduated yeah. in, in May of 1974. So I'm trying to think it would have been maybe it was 72. My dad was born in 53. I'm trying to do the math of when, uh, when he would have been graduated. Of course, my dad wasn't great at school. It might've took him an extra well, year. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was 22 when he graduated. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Well, listen, thank you all for being here. We appreciate it. Remind you again real quick, like I said, like I always say, you go to TreyCrowder.com and check out my tour dates and get you ticket. Come see me. Thanks to everybody that was in San Francisco this past weekend. That was phenomenal. Very good. I'm not saying this because I expect y'all to do this because I don't. Uh, in fact, the opposite. But so many gifts this weekend. San Francisco, very giving place. <laughs> Remember, I brought me a full bag of British candy bars. Those have been a huge hit in the Crowder household. Cat toys, custom shirts, all kinds of stuff. Yuns are too sweet. But anyway, you ain't got to do that. Just come save me. That's all I care about. 
TreyCrowder.com. You can also find me and Corey's book around here and over yonder on there. And for this show, if you enjoy the show and would like to support the program, which we, of course, appreciate, go to WeeklySkews.com slash more. It'll take you to our Patreon. You can also just go on Patreon and search for my name. $5 a month, you get two bonus, full-length bonus episodes per month. It's a lot of fun, more of what you already know and love. Uh, and, yeah, it helps the show out in the process so we appreciate it. but the main thing is you keep coming back every skews day and we will too so let's do it holiday season let's get into it we'll see you in seven days love you bye Skew.